Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. This morning, our text of scripture for our worship service comes to us from the prophet Isaiah, the 40th chapter, the 21st to the 31st verses. This is in a section that is known as the Book of Consolation, and it begins with a number of rhetorical questions that the prophet asks. In times of difficulty, we often lose our perspective on the God we serve. Listen for God's word for you. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows upon them and they wither. And the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me, says the Lord, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them all by name, because he is great in strength, mighty in power, Not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. And so, gracious and loving God, we do come before you this morning. We have come to hear your word. So quiet within us any voice but your own. And speak to us now as only a living God can. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. So does anybody have plans this afternoon for the Super Bowl? I know uh, the NFL is a little concerned that fewer of us are watching these days, but today two football teams, the Philadelphia Eagles and the New England Patriots, will play for the coveted national title as the best professional football team this year. Or as the LA Times reported this morning, it's the Patriots against everybody. Only one team will receive the coveted Vince Lombardi trophy made of sterling silver 
and sometimes called the, tr the Tiffany Trophy. It was named after Vince Lombardi in 1970 on the occasion of his death from cancer. He was best known as the coach of the Green Bay Packers, and they won the first two Super Bowls. Vince Lombardi was a legendary football version of John Wooden, the basketball coach for UCLA, who won so much success. Both of them were successful in their fields, but more importantly, they won the admiration of those who played for them and of all who cheered for them. Lombardi and Wooden were both known for their simple and uncomplicated approach to athletics. And they shared many lessons with their team and with others. Vince Lombardi's famous quotes include these. Teams do not go physically flat. They go mentally stale. Individual commitment to a group effort. That's what makes a team work, a company work, a society work a civilization work, and I might add, it's what makes a church work. Leadership rests not only upon ability, not only upon capacity. Having the capacity to lead is not enough. The leader must be willing to use it. It's essential to understand that battles are primarily won in the hearts. And finally, confidence is contagious. So is lack of confidence. We're learning a great deal through sports medicine and sports science about the physical limits of the body and about the mental capacity to overcome perceived limits as we study human endurance. Many studies focused in the past upon the body itself, but increasingly, when it comes to elite athletes, it's the psychology of sports that gets the focus. With the approach of the Winter Olympics in Korea, there are a number of elite athletes that are preparing themselves mentally for the Games. In an article yesterday in the Wall Street Journal, one writer reflected on the mental tricks of athletic endurance. He tells the story of Slovenian cross-country skier Petra Majdik in the 2010 Winter Games in Vancouver. Petra had skidded off an icy corner and fell more than 10 feet into a rocky creek bed. She dragged herself to a medical tent that was on site for an ultrasound to determine how badly she was injured. And the doctor said, I don't know, but it looks like everything's okay. She was in excruciating pain that made her shriek every time she exhaled. Later that evening, gritting her teeth through a qualifying race, a quarterfinal, a semifinal, and a final where she fought to an improbable bronze medal, she finally went to the hospital where she was diagnosed correctly this time with four broken ribs. And the stabbing pain that she felt during her semifinal 
That was a broken rib that had actually punctured her lung, which then collapsed. What drove Petra during that long, painful day after being misdiagnosed and told she was okay to a bronze medal? I thought that Slovenians needed some message that it's possible. She told herself, at the end of that path, the goal will be reachable. And you will have suffered to do it, but it doesn't matter. You can do better. End quote. I think the prophet Isaiah is saying something similar this morning. I thought that God's people needed some message that it's possible. At the end of the path, the goal that the Lord has set before us will be reachable. Not without suffering. But it doesn't matter. If we think too little of ourselves and our capabilities, we certainly think too little of who our God is and what God is capable of. Our text today is written for those who've lost their confidence and whose hearts are fainting within them. They're living in exile and they're living in self-pity. The prophet is speaking to those whose faith is flagging and who are at the point of letting themselves drift. At the same time, there are others living in the community who are only living in the past. They kept all the old rituals, but they didn't believe those rituals had any power to lead them to expect anything new from their God. So their worship was lifeless. They no longer really believed in the power and the majesty of their God. The Lord is the creator of history, says the prophet, the God of all creation, whom no nation and no prince in all their might can contend with. This is the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. I remember several years ago when I was a young man, there was a book written by J.B. Phillips entitled, Your God is Too Small. That's the message of Isaiah here. In the midst of difficulty, we find whether our faith has any real content or it's just sentimentality. It's in the storms of life that determine whether our lives are built upon the rock or merely on shifting sands. The people who first received Isaiah's rhetorical questions were in exile, living in subjugation to a foreign power, wondering whether their faith had been misplaced in this God. How could this happen? God is supposed to protect us from this sort of thing. One friend recently described his situation to me. He said, you know, you try to do the right thing in your life, and then through things beyond your control, you find you're starting over at the age of 50 with nothing to show for all your work. That's the kind of feeling that these people have that Isaiah is speaking to. 
Have you not known? Have you not heard? Have you not been told from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator, who does not faint and does not grow weary. This rhetorical question seek to frame the matter differently. It's not that God is absent or ineffective, but there's a deeper mystery at play. A deeper mystery unfolding. Now the complaint against God is really based on poor information. The non-fainting God ministers to a fainting creation. The non-weary God gives life to weary creatures. That's why Jesus centuries later would say, Come to me, all you who are weary and overburdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I'm gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. The contrast between God and humankind could not be greater. And the best and the only hope is to stay close to this Lord who can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Now the reality is trouble in life may diminish parts of our lives, but it will build our character. Adversity may take their toll, may take its toll on our exterior life, but it'll strengthen the interior life. Difficulty has a way of moving us beyond mere wishes for our lives to a motivating, driving sense of purpose. And that purpose requires dedication and commitment. Every athlete in the Winter Olympics knows what that's about. It's for that reason, I think, that James in the New Testament writes, My brothers and sisters... Whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance and let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. It's in the face of persecution and adversity that would strike fear into any of us that the Apostle Paul wrote, we do not lose heart. Even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure. Because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what can be seen is temporary, but what cannot be seen is eternal. Faith produces perspective. And it leads to a kind of endurance and to a sense of purpose and to resiliency in life. People of genuine faith seem to have this kind of non-anxious presence in the midst of uncertainty. They just seem to kind of soar like the eagle in our text, 
even on the winds of adversity. Sometimes what's needed is a point of reference outside yourself to give you that perspective. Think of a ship on a storm-tossed sea that doesn't know what direction to go in, where land may be found, that all of a sudden sees off in the distance the lighthouse that gives it a sense of where it is and where its destination is to be. Faith provides that kind of perspective, a steadiness of purpose, and it leads to endurance and direction. So disciples then and now discover in the midst of life storms and in this Jesus who fed people and healed people and helped them find a sense of purpose in living and taught them discipline and set limits for their behavior and turned them towards one another in love, forgiving their sins, releasing them from the burdens and the tragedies of their past and the shame that they carried. This Jesus had the power to still the storms of chaos in their lives, to restore the peace. Here is the creator in human form, now the recreator who brings peace and order to the chaos of life. What began in the creation is consummated in Christ and there's a new exodus that Isaiah proclaims. A returning to the land of promise and a new way of living. So God is not unconcerned or unaware of the chaos this morning. God is not powerless against whatever storm is blowing in your life whether you're facing some kind of an internal squall with your own identity or your own mental health, or you're facing a family crisis or a relationship turmoil or financial insecurity, or you're swimming in grief, or you're frightened by ill health, God is present and not asleep. You may be fainting this morning, but the Lord God is not. The disciples learned what the prophets proclaimed. Battles are primarily won in the heart. Confidence is contagious. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? The Lord is the everlasting God the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary. And the young will fall exhausted, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. As Isaiah puts it just in two chapters later, do not fear. I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. 
You are mine, says the Lord, and when you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. So wait upon the Lord, but wait the way an athlete waits for the chance to compete, preparing for what lies ahead. You and I are capable of more than we think. And our Lord God is greater than we can imagine. Thanks be to God. Amen.